In the city's underground, there's a symphony of sound. There's a beauty in the sorrow. Kind of kinship that we borrow. For no matter how you hate it, I know I'll see you here tomorrow. Down on the subway. Uh, welcome one and all to another TMG interview. I'm your movie guy, Paul Preston, here with you, and I'm very excited to talk to an actor who's been on my radar for many moons. Uh, excited to talk to Buggin' Out, Gus Fring, Left Hand Lacey, and much, much more, all wrapped up into one guy. He's one of the impressive ensemble members of the new indie musical Stuck, where he also serves as, as associate producer. Stuck opens in theaters on April 19th. It's Giancarlo Esposito. How are you? I'm doing great, Paul. Thank you for having me on. Excellent. Now, I'd like to, real quick, uh, cover all 177 of your IMDb acting credits here in the next 20 minutes. Is that cool? So, Guiding Light... <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, well, it turns out we don't have that kind of wow, time. Wow, taking me way back. <laughs> well, we'll have to do it pretty quick. The numbers add up fast. I remember that show as if it were yesterday, my first seminal young youth hipster bad guy. Uh, <laughs> what, you started as a bad guy? There, it, wow. You know, I didn't know. I started way before I got in light. I started on Broadway at the age of seven years old in a show called Maggie Flynn, which was a musical. So great to come back to those roots of mine because I've done 13 Broadway musicals, which has been really pretty terrific. And and this particular movie is is drawn from a play uh, where, you know, six people are put into a very odd and unusual circumstance where they're stuck on a subway car in New York City and faced with the stress of that in each of their lives as well as the stress of being with strangers and having the car locked and not being able to get out makes people act in peculiar ways. So in our case, some of the stress is, is burnt away by, and some of the feelings are realized through the voice of, of the songs, which come out of what's going on for the characters inside. So it's nice to return to my roots a little bit in that respect, um, because the musicals are, are far and away you know, a great way to tell a story and to also have you in an emotional place where you can really relate because our lives in a way are musical and most of us are music fiends as well. Yeah, I think this movie really is a definition of a musical because if you look at Oklahoma uh, or the other musicals that came out at the beginning of the the spark of the genre, they basically played as a play, but it got to the point where the actors could no longer express themselves the way they were. They had to break into song to continue to express themselves to the height they needed to. And that seems to happen here, especially in a potboiler situation, like you said, where there's a subway car that's broken down and and there's emotions and backstories to get to, and damn it, they're, they're going to sing about it. <laughs> Most certainly. Yeah. And some of the greatest moments in the film also come from people's, you know, from what we see as the audience from outside in. We see these characters judging each other in a certain way as well and taking sides and doing all these things that happen so very subtly in our behavior are dead giveaways if we're really paying attention to each other as to what's going on inside of us. So, you know, just by virtue of a woman moving, Amy Madigan plays such a great character in this, we have such a great cast, she moves one seat over from a guy she thinks, you know, maybe doesn't smell quite, you know, as good as she'd like, or maybe looks like he could be a little bit of a vagrant. I mean, all these telltale signs of how we live and how we have to live. In that way, she didn't feel safe in that moment. What it turns out to be that this guy is Lloyd, who is a guy, yeah, he probably lives on the subway collecting cans. He recites his Shakespeare, but he's also orchestrating people to be able to see where their barriers against communicating, connecting, 
to each other really are. So this piece is fantastic. I mean, the play was written by Riley Thomas. Um, you were mentioning Oklahoma, which is a great analogy. Riley wrote a play, I think, where the same things happened. I mean, people were sitting in a think of this movie, which is so well done on a subway car in New York City, uh, thanks to our scenic design and Michael Berry's direction. But Riley Thomas, when he wrote this, there were benches in a room with people sitting on the benches like they were on the subway. A very simple piece, simple moral tale. But then you add the music, you know, Tim Young, who wrote the music along with Michael Berry and Riley himself, um, it just knocks it out of the park. It's a, this is a really contemporary piece that people should see. So I'm really proud of it. You know, I, I've done a lot of work in my life. I played good guys, bad guys. Yeah, I think Guiding Light, to answer your question, <laughs> Paul, was one of my <laughs> earlier nefarious characters. If I remember correctly, that that kid burned down the gymnasium uh, to his best friend's Damn. school. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just because his buddy wouldn't come along and rob a liquor store with him. But he eventually went and robbed a liquor store and got killed. Sad. My sad first demise <laughs> as well. But uh, <laughs> There were many more to come. i got to say, yeah. this guy... Yeah, this guy I'm playing is stuck, looks a little dangerous for a moment, but then you, you, we as an audience quickly realize he's guiding us through this story, which will begin and end with ourselves. And I think it's a beautiful piece. Ashanti, who's just a great singer, actress, very simple again, but for people who find this gem, who might stumble on it, um, they're, they're, they're sure to find uh, some a very uplifting um piece of uh, ensemble acting and storytelling that they can relate to. Well, I mentioned 177 acting credits. You only have four as producer, and this is one of them as an associate producer. So is it that uplifting message that brought you on board? Did you see the play, or how did you first get attracted to where you wanted to come in at that level of actor and producer? Well, I have to be really honest with you. You know, you, you're, you're subtly reminding me that I'm a producer. I guess it's there. I guess I am. I never think <laughs> of myself as such other than I've made two feature films, uh, and I think of myself as a producer on those. Uh, and more in my life, I feel like that is the empowerment is to produce what you do because you can control the message. So the question is well-founded. Yeah, I, I, I want to find material that I am not only attracted to but have some um, creative input into, that is uplifting that people can see that, you know, because so many people today in our society are in a place where they just believe one thing or another. It isn't, it's like all black and white for them. It's not, they can't see beyond what's happening right now. Not that you have to fight to change what we don't agree with, but there's still a, a terrible apathy and also a terrible connection to money. You know, it's all about money. The kindness is gone, you know, and money is always going to be variable in our, existence in our lives until we really come together and share it accordingly as it should be. So, you know, for me, um, I find that if I, I'm able to be a part of a project that has something to say, I want to be a part of it. So this came to me, Michael Berry reached out to my people. It's a very low budget piece. They said, look, you know, we can do these things. And then started talking to Michael more and more and having ideas. And, and he started to say to me, well, how, how can we help? How can we do all this? And he was already a, a, a cannon being rocketed, you know, cannonball being rocketed out of the out of the chute. And so I got on board. I don't know how much credit I can take for <laughs> for producing, but producing it with my time and energy and suggestion most certainly is all there as well. But more more than anything, it's the support of the material. You know, when you have a simple story to tell, it's not too complicated, but still resembles the world in which we live in. And when we're dealing with you know regular people in in, in our lives you know, that we could see every day. Like, I don't take the subway every day, but some people do. 
you know, and you could know that person who's always begging on the same corner. I'm in Albuquerque shooting a, another piece called Better Call Saul, and there's a guy in the corner every day at Carlisle and Route 66, you know, and Carlisle and Central. And today, for the first time, you know, he, he looked in my car and kind of put his one palm to another, and I, I, I was like, no. And I realized, no, I got a dollar for this guy. Rolled down the window and gave it to him. He's like, you made my day. You know, who knows what he'll do with it, but at least, you know, there's some charity going around and from a guy who's not the wealthiest guy in the world. But it just made a difference for me. So that made me feel good. This movie makes me feel good, and that's why I got on board. And It does make a difference because when I'm able to control what I do, my first film was Gospel Hill, really quickly. My second film is uh, a film of Gospel Hill with Sam Jackson, myself, uh, Taylor Kitsch, uh, a really all-star studded cast. Um... Danny Glover, Angela Bassett. My second film is called The Show, uh, written and conceived as This Is Your Death, about a TV talk show host and people committing suicide on the air. It's a moral tale about, you know, really valuing life, oddly enough. And it's um, a film that stars Josh Duhamel, Pamela Jansen, myself, uh, uh, Caitlin Fitzgerald, James Franco, and so that's my second film as a director. So, yeah, it's, it's, for me, I look for things that, that might just be a little bit different and not all with the status quo and not all completely against it, but maybe somewhere that says, hey, we still have the essence within us to, to really be true to, to our beliefs without having to trade. You know, it's, you get to a point now, you trade the worst for the, the, the worst. And you, you try to get back to the middle of being the best. And, you know, our society is just in a really weird place right now. So I look to do what I can to be a part of the mainstream consciousness, but through my work. Yeah, you mentioned that this is this is kind of the humanizing. You mentioned the people that you see in the subway you never engage with. Here's your chance, this movie. And, and when you see the characters engage with one another, of course, it's going to lead to surprises, as it would in real life if you were to talk to someone. I bet you'd be surprised. I think you have a great exchange with, you mentioned Amy Madigan, her character towards the end of the film, uh, one of the last ones uh, that the two of you have, um, where you get the idea, oh, yes, this is a person, you know, this is who has worth and history and a life, you know, in, in your character, That's Lloyd, right. you know, and, and those are people you're easy to... You're, you're liable to pass over if you're not careful and you'd be missing out on some emotional richness if you did. Absolutely. You know, that, that is truly the point. We, we spend a lot of time trying to be in a safe place, which is natural, you know, but if we allow ourselves to keep doing the same things we do every single day, the same way, the same time, we're, we're actually playing out yesterday. Mm. And when we ignore the moments that are, and these people on this subway car, the story, it's great, you know, because the, you know, the contract structure is simple, but you get a gal who gets on the subway who is being kind of chased by a guy, not chased, but he's following her kind of, he likes her. She doesn't know it. She's scared. You know, that gets brought into the car. He turns out he is, a, you know, a superhero writer. And, you know, he's, he's our first song, you know, Omar Chaparro played so beautifully. And she's, you know, her whole thing is she's in a certain place telling her story about what her backstory is and why she's afraid, because she was raped, uh, because of the way she grew up. It's all, and all this comes out very quickly, and clear and succinctly in a song. And, 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 and it turns out in the end, that this guy really likes her. And, you know, so... 
how we, you know, view people we see. My character is the, is the hardest to swallow. You know, a guy, you know, clipping his toenails and fingernails on the subway, looking in the mirror like he's waking up. Look, the dude lives there, but does he mean harm? You know, he gets accused of being a drunk. He's not. Drug addict, he's not at all. He's not at all crazy as he starts to sing. You know, people take one look at him and think he's crazy. He starts reciting Shakespeare. He asks for money. He figures that's, that's a legal way and a good way to entertain people. But some people don't, most people don't want that. But they still, you know, the way they react to him is a true testament as to where we've come in our society. And, and of course, you know, the subway has to stop. It has to grind to a halt, just like our lives sometimes, for us to be able to really realize and see you know, like what's right in front of us. Like, you know, uh, it, it's, it's really, and to see how we judge and to see how we, you know, truly interact with people that we don't know. And, and that extends to people we do know. So it's, a, there's a powerful message here. I, I just have such a great feeling for this movie because it's, uh, it's not laid on too thick and it's not that really happy go lucky story. You know, it's everyone's, it's all of our turmoils wrapped into one and it gets a chance to be heard and not only heard, you know, in our real world, but some of it is heard through the fantasy world of our brain. Um, and it, the wonderful, the wonderful part of this movie with the whole fantasy comic book that, you know, Gerard uh, Conoco's character is, is, is bringing up uh, is just beautiful. You know, the savior of human beings, which turns out to be modeled after his sister who is in a wheelchair. You know, it's all these real subtle, beautiful moments come out in this piece that are um, really just just it's just so uh, it's so well crafted that I hope people get a chance to see it. You know, you know we have the, the film also has um, I think it's at stuck dot com. And for those it's coming out at 400 years, April 19th. Uh, and for those folks who can't see it because it's not in their city, uh, you, they could just look out for it on VOD. Uh, they're planning some more screenings in more cities and the VOD later this year. Uh, but who knows what happens, you know, if it does well in the cities it's in and people go, hey, man, there's a different kind of movie out there. Let's go see it. It's a musical. Wow. But, you know, it's like really kind of cool. Uh, Arden Cho uh, is, is, is also in it. Uh, I, I think the people, it could, it could get to those cities where that it's not playing in now. You know, it just depends on how it, how it takes uh, on Friday. I'm going to tie in, uh, do the right thing here, as I do most uh, moments in my life, uh, <laughs> and say, you mentioned Arden Cho, she's the dancer character, and at the top, she has this dance sequence that uh, wow. it, it reminded me of Rosie Perez's dance sequence at the top of Do the Right Thing. Uh, both of those scenes just mm -hmm. seem to kind of be purging some kind of uh, emotion, and you know, it's big city frustrations, you don't know what that the you know you, you eventually learn for each of them what what it is that's inside them that they're purging you know and uh, and it sets up some sort of emotional instability instability I should say as well uh, for that you're gonna have the rest of the story I like that that's, <laughs> that's, what a, that's you know. true her, her dance encapsulates all of that rage and anger and fear and frustration you know that, that she's going through and also some real deep pain uh, but it comes out. It, it's like a thrash, and, and it really is kind of real, you know. Um, that's a, that one piece of the movie I really enjoy because when we get back to the subway, it's just like what just happened, you know. Yeah, and you <laughs> get the, like, the the music. Oh, 
the music changes there too. It becomes a little more, uh, uh, you know, a hip hop beat while she dances. And then, um, you know, and when Ashanti, so like there's different musical styles throughout the piece. When Ashanti sings, you're basically getting an Ashanti song in the middle of the thing. And then uh, Amy Madigan and yourself seem to handle more traditional musical theater. So I think that benefits the, uh, the film as well. You know, uh, it's really interesting. I have to give a lot of credit to Tim Young, who did the music. You know, I really love what he did with it because he was the guy that, you know, we were lucky enough to be shooting in a factory in Queens. We were on, I think, the fourth floor, but on the third floor, there was a recording studio um, that was just a real funky Brooklyn, Queens kind of studio in this building that we were able to use and record all the music in while we were shooting a floor above in our set piece subway car. We also had a subway car that we shot in in the, in the subway itself. And then all the other pieces were done, of course, outside of the subway when as storyline dictated. But so we were in this one place for the most part to shoot the majority of the movie and to also have access to our recording every day, singing every day, going over the pieces, changing them, recording them again, you know, whatever we needed to do when we weren't shooting. I would just go take a break, go downstairs, record a song, come mm-hmm. back up get back into whatever we were shooting. That's, so really that's an indie film very, schedule. Very like we were, yeah, you know, it, 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 it was, it felt really good to do it that way because we were really close. We had rehearsal rooms. We had the studio that we could record in um, and, and really get it professional style. So for me, I was always, you know, trying to figure out how it would just come fluently from words to singing to song. You know, how I could allow myself to not have to be perfect, too, because I'm from Broadway. And Lloyd's a whole different kind of character than a refined Broadway singer guy. He's a guy on the street reciting Shakespeare. Yeah, he can sing. He can do everything. Give him an instrument. He can play, you know, but it's going to be him. It's going to be raw. And so I had to really work to not try to make it all perfect and just scream it out, yell it out. Just, you know, have it be a very different feeling that I needed to to try to convey to make it real and organic. But yeah, when Ashanti sings, you're like, whoa, you're like in this total Ashanti song and her songs are so very beautiful and depict her storyline so well. And she's such a good actress that it's just like, what, why, this just should be pulled right out of here and should be the next hit single. This <laughs> doesn't <laughs> matter. It's really kind of funny. But Amy's storyline with her son, Tim Young, is also in the movie playing Amy's son. And, um, who dies of, of cancer in our film. Um, and so, uh, you know, his particular performance in this, I think is absolutely marvelous, but he's also the guy that collaborated on the film itself in making it. And boy, oh boy, do I give him credit? Cause you know, we could, we had the ability to, he'd say to me, I, I kept saying to him, well, is that key right? Should we make the key higher now? Did I hit that note? And, hey, you know, we could do, we could record the whole thing again. We could just re-record it. Mm-hmm. We could record over it. We could do what do we? Let's just go play. And I was just like, "Wow, yeah, cool," you know. And I would go down and make it better, you know, and go, "Okay, hold that, hold that one." Yeah, we're in the groove, you know. Yes, how fun! And then and then hear myself sing and do some over parts of crazies that would go into my song, and you know. So I think. Um, that way of playing is just a way to create something that's much, this, this film might have longevity, whether, whether it's seen this week, next week, or next year, people are going to stumble on the stand and go, whoa, wait a minute. 
you know, what a, what a, what a sweet little gem, you know what I mean? Uh, and now speaking of longevity, I got a couple more quick questions for you, then we'll wrap it up, but do the right thing. Uh, man, 30 years this year, that movie made my college. I mean, we were quoting that movie ad nauseum back when I was in school. And, um, uh, how great was it to see Spike get his Oscar? You know, I, I had, um, seen Spike about a week before he got the Icon Man Award along with Ruth Carter and Sam Jackson. So these are three people that I, I know very nearly and dearly, each on a different level. Sam and I, are, I, like, I call Sam one of my best friends. You know, I don't see him every day, uh, but we, we keep in touch and a lot. And I, So I was able to be at that award and give Spike the Icon Man Award. So mm. I was able to think a lot about who he is, what he is, talk about how I feel like he was just always Spike to me. He must have come out that way. He really smart, really bright, really, you know, opinionated, you know, uh, and a real wonderful artist. So uh, I could not be happier. You know, he when he jumped into Sam's arms. That was the best, he, right? You could feel that. <laughs> yeah. It was the best. You know, I think Spike is, is you know, he created a whole, you know, we talk about Spike Lee movie. You talk about, you can't, you can't really talk about anyone else. You know, it's interesting to me. You know, he's really, they're different. You either love them, hate them, or sometimes you like them, sometimes you don't, you know, but he's Spike, and he has a statement, and his films have been getting smarter and smarter and smarter over the years, and they've grown, and he has just, he, he's just a creative guy, but he doesn't take any, he, he's, it's threatening to sometimes his films because they're, he doesn't take any, any BS. You know, and, and, and he pushes the envelope. I'm glad he won the Oscar for a decidedly Spike movie and not some director for hire uh, job. You know, like the Black Klansman has his thumbprint all over it. <laughs> you know, and that's so great to see. I agree. Yeah. I, I, I absolutely agree with you. Yeah. I feel like the collaboration, that that collaboration was the one that, you know, maybe stamped him in a way uh, Hollywood acceptable. Um, I thought Black Klansman was a great movie. I thought they, the, the, the material with which they drew from was the, a very smart move in the way they rewrote that material and finessed it to make it something that Spike had originally, I, I would, could see him writing this, is very, you know, very, very powerful and strong. So for him to get the writing you know, Oscar, adaptation Oscar, I think is a phenomenal thing. I, I still think he deserves a director Oscar, uh, and I think he'll one day get it. Um, I think, you know, he's got his, now he can stop chasing it. He already has one, you know, damn Spike. He has one, an honorary Oscar already, but I know how much it means for him to be understood. It means that for all of us and, and for Spike to be understood for this particular movie, I believe is very special. So I, 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 it, it, my brother, I, I just tell you, I jumped up and down and called him right away. You know, I was just really, really excited that, that he, um, that all this happened for him in this way. Uh, last question, and I ask this of everyone I talk to um, in these interviews: What is your favorite movie of all time? Hmm. And that's that's usually the My response. Favorite. <laughs> you know, you know, I, 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 if I just name one, it would be I'd be beside myself. But right now, today. Um, you know, and I don't know because it'll get stamped, and then I'll be—I have like five. Like, <laughs> how can you name one most favorite movie of all time? Well, you've you already know? said um, what a lot of people say, which is, "What's my favorite movie today?" So they kind of always yeah, bring in that little yeah. caveat, and then they can come up with something. Yeah. So you know, look, um, gosh, uh, 
I, I'm, I'm thinking about Myrna Loy and Dick Powell. Ooh. And that goes back, and no one knows. Myrna Loy. The Thin Man, right? Dick Powell. They, they, the Thin Man series. Yeah. But they made a movie called The Best Years of Our Lives. Oh, yeah. Classic. And, you know, that that is another, you know, since we're talking about stuff and the musical and things that really kind of bring back and try to retain and remind us about integrity and values and, you know, um, connection and importance of smaller things, um, this film also was a film that was about working class people and about people, you know, trying to make it you know, against the odds of what's going on politically, against all of some things that they believe, and all of the the stress of their lives. And it's about relationship as well. So it's a favorite movie of mine. But another one I I would say, you know, to modernize me a little more than the Myrna Loy and and, and Dick Powell is probably, you know, I think about a film that's classic almost as soon as it was made. Um, And... um, Gosh, I, I see Mandy Patinkin uh, in, uh, I think he was really kind of wonderful, and this kind of made his career. Um, oh, the Princess Bride? The Princess Bride. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so that was one of the first ones I would have said, but I'm a classic film guy. But you asked, that's a very difficult question, and I, I scold you. <laughs> it is the most difficult. for asking that. I will take that scold. It's the most difficult. <laughs> okay, so you'll take me chiding you for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, uh, thanks for chatting with us today. We're very excited that you're shooting the next uh, season of uh, Better Call Saul. We had Patrick Fabian in studio here uh, earlier this year, and he came pre-described as the nicest man in the industry, and, he, and then he lived up to it. So <laughs> I'm glad. He's that, a lovely uh, man. Yeah, I'm glad you guys he, are he back. You got a treat with Patrick. Yeah, yeah he was he cool. He loves what he does, and he he's very cool. And that's what you want. Someone who'll talk and be real and, you know, and just have a good time and, and he certainly is that but he's also a very committed wonderful actor so I, I haven't had any scenes with him yet it's a shame I've gotten to know him as Patrick which is probably the loveliest thing ever and uh, who knows maybe we'll get a chance to work together on camera soon we're just back for the first week we've just started so uh, BCS fans can look out for us um, in 2020 oh, oh my god it's like a Game of Thrones-esque wait but we'll do it because we mm-hmm. can't because we're excited um, that's that's my hey, favorite you know, show on television. My choice. I, 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 I always feel bad when I have to say it's not coming for a while, but when it does, watch out. <laughs> that's right. Paul, it's been so great to talk to you. Thanks. Oh, real quick, tell me everything I need to know about the Mandalorian. Oh, wait, no, I'm sure you can't say any of that. All right. I, I, I could tell you what I know that some pieces got leaked <laughs> and they should oh, have been. Dude. But now the world knows. Uh-oh. It's always a great way to have something get out there and then get taken back and then put out there again. So it just makes for a double press. But you're going to love it, is what I'm going to say. Uh, and it's going to blow your mind. April 19th, uh, Stuck is in theaters. Uh, be sure to check it out in VOD later in the year. Thanks, John Carlo. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.